Welcome back to the Cinema Condition with your host, filmmaker and creator of the Nerdcore Podcast Network, Raul Alejandro Mendoza. And as always, we are back here for another movie with another guest on the 26th episode of the Cinema Condition Season 1. And we are almost close to the end. We are in the final four. You guys didn't get to have a final four. Well, hold on. What am I talking about? Yeah, we, we had a final four. What's it called? Uh, final four was in, a, in March Madness. It wasn't uh, during quarantine. But uh, I'm guessing the final four for the NBA Finals, if I'm trying to make a joke here. We didn't get a final four in the NBA Finals, but you got a final four here for the Cinema Condition starting next week. And as always, I am going to be bringing back another guest today. Last week, we had the wonderful Leah Burns to discuss Midsommar, Midsommar, which you guys loved and you guys enjoyed. So thank you guys for tuning in to that one. But today, we're bringing back another guest for the last time. Um, he is, again, coming back. He is my uh, partner in crime and uh, the man who runs the, uh, the shows with me and helps me out a lot. That is none other than the host of the Nerdcore Live Show, the Nerdcore Podcast, and uh, occasionally unstructured with Young Yoda, Young Yoda himself. Brad, how you doing? Glad to be here, Raul. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And yes, unstructured, you know, <laughs> occasionally. whenever. Occasionally. <laughs> Less than occasionally. Some days. It would help a lot that the people would submit topics, right? I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, that's really not, I'm not going to put the blame on them. That's... That's all on me. And, you know, th this is this is the show, the only show where I actually have to act somewhat serious. Yeah. So it's it's quite difficult. I have to get like my ADHD under control. Yeah. Even though it was even though the ham dog episode is great. I, I, I mean, I mean, the ham dog is legendary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Brad was here the first time for uh, for Ikiru. And then we did Grave of the Fireflies, and now we end his, well, his watch this season with, uh, with The Farewell, with Lulu Wong's The Farewell that came out last year. Uh, but before we can do, do all that wonderful stuff, Brad, how, how you been? been? Been well. Been well. Thank you for asking. And I just have to ask, Raul, what do you think of my film choices so far for Man, this first season of Cinema Condition? You seem you picked uh you honestly picked what is pretty much your what's it called what kind of makes your film taste you know you have your love of animated uh, anime films and then you have mm -hmm. uh, of course your love for Akira Kurosawa and then you have like these new films that really surprise you when you get to see like when when you watched The Farewell last year you were like really surprised at it and how you launched you liked it so uh, yeah you know it's it's I, not I, like I, our I picks. It's not like our picks on the on the main show, right? But you no, know. So, sometimes I don't get those quite quite well <laughs> or quite right. Um, don't don't. I'm not going to bring a Western history or Western month. Nope, yeah. not going to do that. I will say the one thing I did right with the farewell is even though I missed it when it first came out, I did go see it in my local theater when they were playing that, and that was only up for like one weekend, I think. Mm -hmm. So I managed to see it in theaters, and it's probably one of the better movie going experiences i've had yep uh way back when when we were able to go to movie theaters but uh yeah anywhere. i able have to go anywhere yeah pretty much <laughs> anywhere um i was gonna say that um also i mean next not gonna say what well the only other pick that i could say that you chose was stalker because that's the one you've announced here but uh the other ones i can't really announce them yet but i'm gonna say that next 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 season's uh picks for you 
I mean, you're you're looking at a good uh, a good amount of movies that you're coming back with. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for next season when it comes to what movies you're gonna pick and what movies we're gonna discuss. I mean, I, I'm excited for Stalker. That that now that was a movie I was not expecting to like. Uh, it's one of those um, when we decide every year we get this one month, we're like, don't know who this director is, don't know what he's done, but you know what? Let's watch him. And Tarkovsky, um, I just wish the Cold War never happened and we had gotten to know about that man sooner. Yep. I uh, just got my Criterion orders in, so I got Stalker on Blu-ray. Can't wait to watch that on my on my TV here in its beautiful transfer that it had. Because I'm is that is that, a, is that an HD? Yeah, yeah. What's it called? Ooh, that's the ooh. that's the newest. Uh, that was the newest transfer. I'm pretty sure the one that you watched was the newest transfer. If, if it's the one on YouTube that we watched, I think that's the old transfer. Uh, but uh, I I thought I bought it. Oh, I don't know if you bought it. I, did I, I know it or I did I watch it on? I, I don't remember what I did. I just remember the coloring in that film. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like like all the colors compared to like American cinema at that time or even now. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like Kool-Aid green and just it's just yeah. it just pops. Yeah. And then the sepia tones that were in the beginning are beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Cause I, by the way, I mean, anybody who wants to get into the Tarkovsky, the movies are literally on YouTube. Like, they have not been taken down. So, like, that's the easiest way for you to get, kind of get into Tarkovsky. Unless you want to get the Criterion channel, which it has all the movies from Tarkovsky in there. So, uh, I know that I watched Stalker on the on YouTube. And the, the transfer on there, I think that's the old one. Because the Mirrors transfer was on there, too. And that was the old one compared to the one I watched on the, the Criterion channel. So, mm-hmm. uh... Yeah, I can't wait to pop this one in because you know it's like digital transfers are different from the actual you know transfer on the on the on the Blu-ray because wow when Aiden was here for Through a Glass Darkly when we talked about that one he was like oh man you got to get the Blu-ray so you can watch it on there because the transfer from the Criterion Channel is very very different like the quality on the Criterion Channel is very different from the Blu-ray version of the movie so uh, is the Criterion Channel generally better? The Criterion so Channel worse. is great. Not gonna great. lie, what's it called? It's great. It's just like, you know, I'm guessing what's it called the, the the quality straight from the actual Blu-ray disc is different because of course like on the channel I'm guessing there's compression and stuff from having to watch it mm-hmm. on on there. But uh, I'm 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 excited though. I'm excited for us to do a uh, stalker next year. Uh, next year, next uh, well possibly next year. Uh, the next the only Criterion movies I actually have are um, Kurosawa movies. Yeah. So th- I know you were looking for uh, Ikiru, and Ikiru uh, was on sale. I have not yet bought Ikiru because I own it on digital. So I own yeah. that on Amazon. So it's it's like one of those things like I really want it, but at the same time it's like uh, I want to eat. Yeah, but it was on sale for 20 bucks. I, yeah. I know. I know, but I'm not like you who's going to buy like every movie. Like there were <laughs> there was stuff I wanted. I, I used stuff, the excuse. Like, I used the excuse that they were for the pod, for the podcast for this one. And uh I ended up getting two movies that weren't actually for the podcast that I bought for my own self, but the other ones are for the podcast, so that way it makes me feel less bad. But it's not like I can claim them as a business business expense. But well, um, and I found it funny. We were supposed to review First Cow when it first came out. Yeah. And Raw was like, I can't afford fourteen dollars for that, bro. And I'm like, all right, let's just do another one then. <laughs> but I can afford twenty bucks for it. <laughs> uh no, man. It's okay. Now we can we can watch it when it's five ninety nine for the rental. But uh yeah, I'm I'm really excited because you know this is a this is a movie. If you guys have not been following us at the Nerdcore for what we've been you know hyping this movie up 
this was our favorite movie of last year, uh, 2019. And it's, it's occasionally, it's really tough when Brad and I kind of have the same uh, opinions on certain movies. And there's like, it's an, it's like, sometimes it's like, whoa, like we ended up having the same number one for, uh, for, for last year in 2019. Which if we go back, you were waffling on it. Like you were going back and forth with a few other movies until the very end. It's because I got that rewatch. I got that rewatch in. And, uh, and now I'm telling you on a third rewatch of this, man. Uh, I can't wait to discuss this movie because there's just so much. Uh, by the way, I mean, I screened this on Discord with uh, with Michelle. We were watching it, and uh, she loved it. She adored this movie. Oh, th- uh, this this movie is to me. This movie's still my favorite from 2019. Oh yeah. Um, I, this is probably my top ten favorite movies. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, this is a, this is one of my favorite movies of all time for sure. Um, this is this was this is definitely still the best movie of 2019 to me. And I think that uh, it's just it's this and Parasite neck to neck. Honestly, that I just it was just there was a, something with Parasite. Uh, there was just something with this movie that I, I gave it that incline. And I guess I mean, we'll discuss it more when we get into it. But uh, you know, I I, I, th- I think what I said about this and Parasite it was a, it was basically a tie. Yeah. But rewatching this again, the farewell just tugs at you. Yeah. Like there is something amazing that Lulu like, Wong. It's Wong, correct? Yeah, Wong. Yeah. Wong does that in this movie is just something that I really don't see in a lot of movies. Yeah. And then I look at it as like, you know, a first time filmmaker and then a filmmaker who's, this was like their sixth or seventh movie that they've done, you know, yeah, I was that's like, just straight up amazing. It's like, okay, I got it. I got to give the inch to, to, uh, to, to Lulu here. Like she just made an incredible film here, but, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into this. So, of course, we've never talked about the uh, filmmaker known as Lulu Wong on this on this podcast. Uh, and this is her first and only film at the moment. So we're going to get to introduce her pretty quick. Um, her, what's it called? Uh, <clears throat> Lulu Wong was born on February 25th, 1983. She's a director, uh, writer, and producer. She is um, she's mostly known for, what's it called? Uh, the Farewell in 2019. But she also... What's it called? Uh, she wrote and directed a uh, posthumous, posthumous, in twenty posthumous, posthumous, in twenty fourteen. Yes. It's a uh, what's it called? American German film uh, directed by her. It's and it stars uh, Bill Marlene and Jack Houston. I've never seen this. It's um it's her directorial debut though, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I that's probably one that I probably got to get into. But you know her bio right here is pretty small. But uh, this is her, what's it called, uh, second film that she's ever made. And it is also probably one of the, what's it called, one of, it's, it's gonna, probably going to be one of her most famous works going on. Uh, it was chosen as one of the top 10 films of 2019 by the American Film Institute. And she's also, she's also done, you know, several short films, documentaries and music videos. But she, you know, she, what's it called, uh, she basically has started, you know, getting more attention from Hollywood now because of The Farewell and of course, she is a Chinese American uh, filmmaker, and um, <clears throat> yeah, this is kind of uh, this story of the film. Of this film, by the way, it's based on an actual true story from Lulu Wang, but she actually described this story during a um, radio uh, broadcast, uh, like in, like a fictional story, uh, a part of a, a radio broadcast of a story from a, from like a radio show. I'm guessing of uh, called of This American Life. And uh, her story was called uh, "What You Don't Know," and yeah, that's the where the farewell started its origins. And uh, the farewell is about a uh, 
Chinese family, Chinese and Chinese American family that uh, have learned that their matriarch has about three months left to live. And they decide to not tell the, the uh, grandmother, not tell the matriarch. And they decide that, um, that they're going to use the wedding of a, um, of a uh, nephew uh, slash cousin to go and spend their last final moments with the matriarch before she passes. And uh, the film stars Aquafina in, one, in honestly what I think should have been a Best Actress nominated performance as Billy, this uh, young Chinese American girl who learns about her grandmother's uh, you know future passing, and as she you know goes to China to spend time at the wedding slash uh, final moments with her grandmother as she you know maneuvers a culture that she just doesn't remember anymore because she left China at such a young age. So this movie is uh, packed with so many themes, but uh, usually I'm not the what's it called the person to uh, have I'm, I'm not a person to break my own rules sometimes. Because I'm like, I always say, this is not a review show. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I got to say, my third time rewatching this movie, I, I love it so much. I, I, I got to say that this movie is perfectly paced. Um, also, something I didn't really notice the first time around, how much I love the, uh, the production design here and the locations that they, they, they chose and mm-hmm. how, you know, they frame these hotel rooms and these banquets and, and especially in the food, the scenes where they're eating, you know, how they frame oh, that. Yeah. I just, I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the crabs. Yeah. They didn't give her her damn lobster, man. I mean, you know, she signed up for the lobster and she, they let her down. Let her down. But uh, I, 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 just to add on to what you just said, I didn't notice this on my first watch. I don't know if that's because. I got the whole theatrical experience of it, which mm-hmm. I don't think, or it was more of, I didn't know any better. And I, I mean, I've done a lot of reviews and stuff with you on different movies. So I've learned a few of the lingo per the se, lingo. <laughs> um, the lingo, yeah. but this movie is just perfect framing after perfect framing yeah. after perfect framing in like every shot. Yeah. And for someone, what this is their, was a second directorial day direct second movie. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how like they open the shot is just frame perfect. And I'm just going, these shots are amazing. No wonder I love this movie the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's also just that, uh, what's it called? Uh, I, I love the, um, the, what's it called? Uh, I'm trying to say, Oh, the, the color, the color palette here is very grim, but it's also just kind of, it's it's not this beautifully colored film where the colors pop so vibrantly, but it's kind of showing you how similarly, you know, Billy sees New York and China at the same time because it, it all carries the same color coloring in the film. And it's like, you know, how Billy kind of sees China and New York as, you know, sort of similar in a sense because it's where she where, where she's lived in both of these places. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you see how different uh, the New York is to a... Uh, to China because we spend more time in China in the film. But yeah, I got to agree with you. The framing is beautiful. The framing is just absolutely fantastic. There's never a moment where the film doesn't look like, oh, like, oh, you didn't frame that correctly. Or like, oh, that, that doesn't seem like it's uh, what it was framed. Like, there's not a single moment in the movie. Even mm-hmm. that even that scene where she where she's like, where Nai says that, you know, 
she uh, she she sent the lady to go pick up her test results, and uh, Billy goes running, and we're getting that you know the the shot tracking her as she's running, but we're seeing the side profile, and yeah. you're like that that could have easily you know went a little bit wrong, but it's just so beautifully framed, and it doesn't feel like it's like shaky or all over the place. It feels like it's just beautifully tracked. No, no, Lulu Wong just shows her expertise in getting the shot. That's yeah. that's basically what she's done with this movie is she knows how to set up mm-hmm. and make a movie. Yeah. And uh, I got to say that that's just she's got a promising career ahead of her because this is just this was this is just it's like it this shows uh, this is this is a showing of a director who really understands her cast and crew and understands how to utilize everything that she has. For uh, in her uh, uh, at her leisure, well, not leisure. I'm at at her uh, expense. Like she knows how to use this, use mm-hmm. her resources here, and um, yeah. So, of course, Brad, we this movie was on my uh, radar in 2019 because of its showing at uh at at Sundance, and I said, oh man, Aquafina in a dramatic role. Like all I known Aquafina for was the comedy and and her rap. Uh, her rap yeah. albums, but uh, and I was like, oh wow, this is going to be pretty interesting. Kind of the sort of interest that I had in, you know, Uncut Gems because I was like, oh, you know, here we have a primarily comedic actor who's coming in to do a, a dramatic role. I'm like, oh, this should be interesting. And then when Brad, uh, Brad watches it and he uploads his review, and I'm like, I'm reading through this. I'm like, oh man, like this looks like it's going to be something. I got to watch this soon, and I and I wanted to watch. I actually, fun fact, I don't think I ever sent this to you. I actually had a free screening for this, and yeah, I just you missed it, right? and I missed it because I wasn't I wasn't in Houston at the time. Like I, I think I was a uh, I had gone back for like vacations back home, and I mm-hmm. missed it. And I, I I that was my one and last chance to watch the farewell in theaters. So then um you know it comes out for for uh for digital, and you know luckily enough it was before the year ended, and Brett was like I'm buying this like. You need to watch this right now. And uh, during this time is when my grandmother already had passed. And I and I kind of was very uh, apprehensive on wanting to watch this film because I said, oh, you know, this might be a little bit too personal, too a little bit too close to home for me. But, uh, of course, when I first watched this film, I, I, I obviously was over overtaken with, uh, with tears and I was uh, very much emotional the whole time. But uh, there was something really special that this film kind of had and I kind of tweeted Lulu Wang about it. And I said, uh, there was something that this movie kind of taught me. And it was something that was very important about this movie because it came at a time in my life where I kind of needed to watch something like this that made me, uh, you know, learn a lesson that I think that this film kind of makes you learn is that the body doesn't stop mourning and you never really stop mourning. And no. uh, you carry these, um, these experiences with you. And, it, and, and I'm glad that I had that second rewatch because on that second rewatch, it really cemented it for me. I was like, this is... This is really good. This is near perfect film that is just incredible. And I, and I don't even know what, what's coming next in your career, but it, I, I don't think I, it's going to be real hard to top this because it's just so, so damn good. And then on this third rewatch, it's like there's more to this. There's like more to this beyond the, just a film about, a, about loss. There's, there's so much, uh, there's so much uh, conversations had in here about culture and identity and, uh, and about, you know, being of two different worlds. And I got to say that uh, thank you to Lulu for liking my tweet when I sent it to her, uh, Lulu Wong. 
And uh, she liked it. And I, I felt really, I felt, first of all, I felt seen. I felt very seen. Mm-hmm. I said, damn, that was beautiful. But uh, it was, it just reminded me just how damn good this movie is and how beautifully, beautifully crafted it is. Well, and I think that's what makes this movie special is I really think not everyone's going to connect with it, but I'll say the vast majority of people who, you know, have had a grandmother or grandfather and have been very close with them and have had them pass or, you know, have seen them sick. I I think this hits close to home. This, Mm -hmm. and even though this is a primarily Chinese family and Chinese American family, Mm -hmm. um, it affects like everyone. Everyone has this story. Everyone has a story of, you know, you're driving away from your grandparents and you're waving mm-hmm. by and she's waving by. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it really emotionally, it wrecked me the first time I, I watched it. It really did. Yeah. Um, she, she says, she said this about the film and I, and I got to read this cause I found it really uh, interesting. Uh, I always felt the divide in my relationship to my family versus my relationship to my classmates and to my colleagues and to the world that I inhabit. That's just the nature of being an immigrant and and, and straddling between straddling two cultures. And uh, I, I gotta say, when I read that after watching it this third time, I was like, oh man, you you really do have like a pretty uh, uh damn uh, great uh, kind of uh, kind of grip at the idea of culture in this movie. Uh, I also got to say that uh, really big props to not just Aquafina, but Zhao Zhuzhen is incredible as Nai Nai. I love her mm-hmm. every single moment that she's in here. Um, if I had it my way, Zhao Zhuzhen would have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. But somebody who I don't see get a lot of props in this, um, it's actually Diane, Diana Lin as, a, as her mom, as Lujian. As her mom, Billy's mom is is puts on another power uh, power powerhouse performance in this too, and uh, especially even the even the brothers of the of the grand uh, the the brothers uh, you know Hayan and Hao Hao, and uh, what's Hao uh, Hao, what no not Hao Hao I'm sorry uh, Hayan and um, and uh, Haibin Haibin who mm-hmm. are the uh, the the sons of of the matriarch, they give great performances. But uh, yeah, I mean enough of the whole review aspect of this. I just wanted to <laughs> ramble on just a little bit, just a little bit. I, I'm allowed to break my rules here and there. I'm gonna break them again when we do Stalker for sure, because uh, there's no way I can't actually, you know, give my actual full-on thoughts about that movie. But uh, I, mean, I think I think it's hard w- when you talk about some of these films not to like just gush over them because you're so excited to finally get to express what inside all these films makes them so great, yeah. like. For me, one aspect of this was the the cultural differences it was showing versus East and West. Mm-hmm. And the differences and similarities in a way. Yeah. So, and they even go into it, like, they even have dialogue with it, uh, mostly the brothers and Aquafina. And yeah. one part that I really dug is that the East is more concerned as a familial unit, whereas mm-hmm. the West is more concerned about themselves. Yeah. So the West, you know, we're considered selfish in a way. Like we only think of ourselves. We only um, try to do for ourselves. Whereas the East, they've always been family. Uh, you look at Japanese culture. They, they don't put their elderly into nursing homes. They bring them into the house. And that's even other cultures that are in the West. Um, I know like Mexican cultures, y'all do very much the same thing as you bring the grandparents into the yeah. house generally. Yeah. 
yeah, and it's and it's just really interestingly uh, kind of uh, dissected in here about just, you know, um, I think I can't remember. I, and I just literally just watched the film like hours ago. I think it was uh, Haibin who says uh, here in, in the East, what's it called? Our life, what's it called? It's not just your life. It's life is everyone's whole. It's a familial thing. It's a familial thing. Yeah, uh, you know the, that that life is not just important to you. It's it's important to every single person who, who inhabits the person, the, the what's called the person who's going to die, and it brings up a really interesting thought about you know the East and Western uh, kind of experience. Even though you know we don't actually spend a lot of time in New York in this film, like we're there for the beginning, very, very little, very little. Yeah, we're in the beginning and the end. That's it. But you know, we still have that Western look of life. Through Billy, who comes in and she battles with the idea of like whether to tell Nainai that she's sick or not and she's going to die. And the whole time, and this is why I think that that, that Aquafina's performance is so incredible. It, it's not just even the dialogue. It's that facial expression that kind of that Aquafina has all the time during this film that is just constantly contemplative and saying like, you know, I need to tell her because like it's, it's wrong to lie. But it, but you know, deep down, what's it called? Uh, you know, she she wants to still do what is right for her family, even though she well, really wants to tell her. And I, I love that part where the the uncle is talking to Aquafina. He's like, you know, why would you put that burden on her? That's for us to take. Yeah. That's why we don't tell her. That's for us to live with. And her, when she passes, she passes. Yeah. She doesn't have to worry that she's sick. Yeah, and and that's a and that's really a, one of one of the things I had in here about you know the, he says the emotional burden is for us to have, not her, and uh, we also find out that you know of course Nine I did the same with uh, with uh, with her with her husband uh, Billy's grandfather. He she didn't tell him that he was gonna die until he was literally in his deathbed and he was about to die, mm-hmm. and uh, that emotional burden is taken by everybody else. So that way that person who's already suffering doesn't have to suffer much more. And yes, it is very odd watching this film through a person who's only lived in the West, you know, and never really has gotten to know the cultural differences of the East. And the whole time you're there, like, of course, you what's it called? You you should tell her. Like, she has the right to know what's happening with her own body. But at the same time, you're like, you know, why make her suffer more than she's already suffering? Of course, like, it's just, it's it's her body. She's already feeling sick around her body. She shows it. But, you know, allow... Uh, I mean, in, in some way, I'm sure she kind of knows, in yeah. a way. I, I, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't. But I, I I actually, from my standpoint, I can totally understand where the family is coming from. And if I had a terminal illness, I wouldn't want to know either. <laughs> just to be honest, just be like... Because, uh, as they said, it's the fear that gets you versus the illness. Yeah. Yeah. And... um and then what's it called? Um, you know, she that that emotional burden is ours to take, and really for us to, it's, you know, you're not just working through you know grief, but this idea of like that you had to you know take you had to take the pain of her sickness onto yourselves too, and kind of go through that yourselves. Which you know it's 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 very beautiful when it happens as a family because you know you're you're like we're not when you're not alone in feeling this way because everybody around you is feeling sort of uh, the same amount of pain that you're feeling. And uh, it's it's I I love that part that you're talking about when he's talking about the, you know the immersion of burden when uh when when he goes one of my favorite lines is like just let the man smoke he goes let him he goes don't tell your father what to do like let him smoke 
or mm-hmm. uh, you know, but in which I will say this film has a it's, it has this very emotional gut punch parts in this film, but it also has those very nice uh, comedic moments. Like uh, yeah, very few like the like the one where they're asking if he wants a bath, and she's like, I don't yeah. know, you want a bath? Yeah, or he's like, <laughs> you know, what what do you want? And he goes, oh, you can call me beautiful, beautiful. And he's like, no, I mean, like, what do you want as in the treatment? Like, you want to get a bath? Or like um, when they're at the grandfather's grave and uh, he's like, don't, don't give him cigarettes. Like he's, he's, what's it called? He quit. And he's he, like, he, stopped, he quit. He's like, he's like no, he, he didn't. Did and he's like, whatever. Like he's dead. What's he going to do? Hurt him? Like, just let the man smoke. And, uh, oh, I, and, <laughs> and to go more in on that scene, I, I, so me and my wife, my wife watched part of this part towards the end of this. She watched this with me the first time. Yeah. So yes, she wept like a baby too at the end. Yeah. Anyways, but that scene, that scene to me just shows that every culture in their way, there is a ridiculousness that is to the mourning ritual and to death itself. Yeah. The way we believe, the way we see. And there's just like, you got to peel the orange for me. It's like, but he's. He's gone. It's dead. But yeah. and their culture, you know, they they, they believe that you know for yeah. good things and stuff, he's going yeah. to eat that. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Um, and it's 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 the same instance when I when you know when we talk about the Mexican culture and we do the whole Dia de los Muertos and we do uh, the ofrenda and we put the food there and all that stuff for them, which is uh, like and 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 not only that, I got to bring this up because I can't just let you know the Mexican culture and the Chinese culture take it all because. In Cajun culture, we have wakes, mm-hmm. and we literally sleep in the funeral home with the casket, yeah, like all night. Like, like I, that's how we treated my grandfather. We I hung out with my grandfather's casket the whole night. Yeah, and let me tell you, kind of weird. It's kind, it, it's it's weird. Yeah, exactly. And it's you you know the the film is kind of examining that in a sense. It's like you know it's the kind of the ridiculousness in 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 those type of uh, rituals. But it's also what makes the beauty of our cultures. You know, the, the fact that we care about someone so much that we have to peel that orange. That we feel like it's a necessity to peel that orange so that way, what's it called? They, the, the, the spirit knows that we're thinking about them. And, and I think that that's just the beauty of what, the, what, what this film kind of represents within culture in there. And I think this was another part that just the genius of it where they, they had funny moments even in this mourning ritual yeah. or this ritual asking the, the dead grandfather, you know, for hopes and prayers and good luck. And it's just where Aquafina is like, do I just take a shot? And she goes and takes a shot. Yeah. They're like, no, no, you pour it. You pour, pour it over it, the ground. She's like, oh, shit. Or uh, what's it called? They're, they're like, uh, I think Zhao Nine is like, what else do I have to say? And then they're like, they keep bowing and they're like, are we going to keep bowing? Like, this is getting, like, we're going to get dizzy or something. I think they said, or what's it called? Uh, he's like, oh, good, bless my sister. And she's like, oh, so I can win, like, a lot of money at the at the city that she was going to go to, I think. And I was like, oh, like, you know, there, there's those instances of, like, you know, very beautiful instances of, like, humor in this movie because you need it. You need it in a movie like this. There's and, like, And it's not, like, ridiculous humor. humor. Yeah. It's, no. like, that humor that families would say. Yeah. Like, this is, the, the, and the, what this movie is just, it's all about the family unit. Mm-hmm. And it it's all just seems so real. Mm-hmm. And that's what is great about this movie. It, it really is, like, they brought together all these different actors, but they could be a family to me. They yeah. could all be a living, breathing family. This could be a documentary. Yeah. 
And it's really interesting how it's juxtaposed in that scene compared to the other family that was there where the lady was just like harrowingly crying and crying. And then you have these other ones who are this other family who's just there with a, they're just paying their respects, but they're like cracking jokes and stuff and they're having fun. And it's like, you know, there's just the different ways that different families kind of, uh, kind of manage mourning and loss. And, uh, and I, I really like um, Billy Mother's take on this because she even says it's so ridiculous that some people, you know, they show their emotion by crying and wailing. And because I don't do that, I'm looked down upon. Yeah. That was such a deep scene and so true. It's like, like, who are we to judge how you mourn? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's something that, you know, has gone down in my family when let's go with other losses and they're like, you know, oh, because we weren't, you know, because somebody wasn't like crying their eyes out and, 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 and screaming in, in, in terror because what happened, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's like that they were like, oh, because you didn't love them that much. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Like, you know, we all mourn our different ways, but the beauty of what, what she's trying to say is that we mourn as a family. We, we mourn mm-hmm. together because that's, it's, it, this movie, once again, is about the familial unit. And, uh, yeah, and what's it called? Something else I had to bring in here because while we're on the topic of, you know, the familial unit and all that stuff, um, there was something I really had to bring up into here uh, about, the, um, about the, what's it called, uh, the vulnerability. That that's, what she, that that's what she's scared of the most. Uh, what's it called? Billy's mom. It's, the, uh, it's her looking vulnerable to others, and in a sense that it's okay to be vulnerable, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if I'm not feeling that I should put that out, I don't, I don't want to force myself to put it out just so that way I could, you know, satisfy others and say like, okay, she's mourning the correct way. And, you know, the, the very, the cab ride, when yeah. Billy's mother is there and Aquafine is crying and Billy's mother is, is crying as well, but you know, one of those silent, like, I don't, I don't want anybody to see me cry. Yeah. And it's just such a strong scene of them driving away from Nainai mm-hmm. and everyone. And it's not just driving away from Nainai, it's driving away from their homeland, from yeah. where they came from. And it's mm-hmm. just, you, you can feel that pain. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be going into commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to continue discussing Lulu Wong's the farewell. But uh, in the meantime, you guys need to listen to these wonderful commercials made by some wonderful people who make podcasts over at the Nerdcore Podcast Network. So uh, we'll catch you guys in a bit, and we'll see you when we come back. Hey, I'm Raul Leandro Mendoza, and this is... Jabril Newton. And we are the hosts of High Flyer Radio. Radio. And finally, pro wrestling has come back to the Nerdcore Podcast feed in the form of a show hosted by Jabril and I. And we talk about everything and anything in the pro wrestling world on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Nothing's off limits. Whatever you guys want to talk about, it is from AEW to SmackDown to Raw to NXT. Nothing's off the table. We can talk about it. We're going to talk all about it. And if you can get it a day early, you should go to the www.patreon.com slash the nerdcore and pledge to the tiers on there so you can get this show and a lot of shows days early before anybody else gets to hear it. But... Enough talking about it. We'll go ahead and see you there at the Squared Circle. Oh, yeah. Don't tap out. Tune in. Tune in. Hey, it's Ashley from the Gamer Core. You may remember me from such episodes as Big Screen Mess, Mo Money Mo Platforms, and Brad Can Read. 
Tune in weekly as I blab with my co-hosts Raul the Nerdy Chicano and Brad the Random Germ about the latest news in gaming and gush over what we're playing at the moment. Oh yeah, and we got the deals too. Keep up with the latest deals in gaming and what's happening as I mediate Brad and Raul fighting like a married couple. Will Death Stranding ever come out? Will Cyberpunk 2077 live up to the hype? Is a next-gen worth a $500 console price tag? And has there ever been a movie adaptation of a video game that's been done right? It's all on the GamerCore podcast, everywhere where podcasts are. Hey everyone, my name is Raul, Dinari Chicano, and I am the host of The Impert Files. The Impert Files is an interview show brought to you every Thursday on the NerdCore podcast feed. And I interview people such as filmmakers, content creators on YouTube, and podcasters like Colton Geschwander. And if you want to listen to that early, a whole week early, all you got to do is go to the Patreon and pledge to the $1 tier. And if you want to listen to it with the general public, then go to Nerdcore Podcast Feed on anchor.fm slash the Nerdcore. And the case is close, but it's not classified. See you guys there. Hey guys, this is Brad, aka Young Yoda. Raul said I had to make an ad, so that's what I'm doing. Um, it's supposed to be for Unstructured, but as you guys know, you can freaking catch me everywhere. When it comes to this podcast feed, you can find me on the Nerd Cores, on Gamer Cores, on Nerdy Chicanos sometimes when I get lost. Uh, I mean, but for this particular one, I want you guys to go check out Unstructured. The role gave me free reign to do whatever I want to do. I don't know what he was thinking. So go hear me talk about LeBron James and Taco Tuesday, vaping. Uh, so many other freaking weird topics that uh, chimichangas, that's a good one. Uh, shout out to Deadpool. And yeah, I, I guess this is the end of the ad. So if you guys want to find me, you can find me all over the place on this uh, podcast feed. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I love you all. And nerd up. Hello, 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 guys and gals, and you're listening to The Ladies of Nerdcore. I am your host, Daniela Nunez, and along with my amazing co-host, Ashley Garcia, we discuss many things like social impact, pop culture, political realms, and any controversy surrounding the nerdverse. Tune in and listen to us bi-weekly on the Nerdcore podcast feed, and we will love to chat and hear your thoughts on our wonderful show. And thank you again for listening to The Ladies of Nerdcore. What's up, everybody? It is me, Raul, and I'm one of the hosts of the Nerdy Chicano Show. The Nerdy Chicano Show is a comedic show brought to you by Luis and myself, and it comes to you all every Sunday on the Nerdcore podcast feed. You can catch it a day early by becoming a Patreon and supporting us at the $1 tier. And I don't really know how to explain this show other than it's fun, we get to talk about whatever we want, and it helps you move on in the week. So if you want to catch on, if you want to catch the the Nerdy Chicano Show every Sunday at 8 a.m. All you got to do is go to anchor.fm slash the nerdcore, and we'll see you there, baby. Everyone, I'm Raul. And I'm Brad. And we're the hosts of the Nerdcore Podcast, the podcast that talks that nerd. Not on this ad, right? And we come to you every Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday. On the Mondays, we talk the news. That's the box office, the news of the week. And your trailer talk, if there is any. And on Tuesday, we have our theme review. And on Saturday, you have a Saturday morning review, usually movies that have come out in the week, or anything we want to talk about. Right, Brett? Exactly. Whatever we want to talk about, this is our show. If you don't like it, then you don't have to listen. 
We're the flagship show of the Nerdcore Podcast feed, and we can be found everywhere you can listen to podcasts like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. So if you want to talk that nerd stuff with us every Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday, make sure you tune in. And Brad? Young Yoda out. All right, you're back after commercial break here with us on The Cinema Condition as we discuss Lulu Wong's The Farewell. Thank you guys for listening to those wonderful commercials. It means a lot that you guys get to actually listen to, actually listen to them if you actually listen to them, right? But, uh, you know, those wonderful people make shows on the Nerdcore podcast feed at anchor.fm slash the Nerdcore. It's URPS. So if you want to check out those shows, right now the only two shows that are really, really active are the live show and the main show. So if you guys want to go listen to those, of course, go through there. You can also go to the Twitch and on the YouTube. is, is, is uh, on, on YouTube, where do you search up the Nerdcore or twitch.tv slash Nerdcore and all that wonderful stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a pandemic. I'm not forcing anybody else to record at the moment. So uh, the only shows that are active are the ones where it's just Brad and I. So go and check those out. And uh, have a fun time when you listen to those shows because they're definitely something. So uh, we're back and we're discussing the farewell. We we've discussed a little bit of the uh, of the emotional vulnerability, the you know the emotional burden, and really about the whole idea of loss and loss and grief in this film first. And uh, one thing I wanted to get more into was definitely this uh, the idea of culture in this film because it's something I noticed even. You know, more. I, I noticed it the first time, but it's not, not something where I was like, oh, crap. Like, I'm actually noticing it really hard. You know, from the first time is when uh, when when uh, when Billy goes to the hotel and the guy is asking him, you guys asking her about like, oh, what's the difference is what's better, China or U.S.? And then it gets even more when the family. Uh, I can't remember her name, her name. It, but, it's, uh, it's the aunt, though. The aunt. Yes. The the aunt is talking with uh with with uh with uh, Billy's mom about you know their kids and how uh how they see how their kids are being seen as more of an investment and 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 uh and all these things like one is like you know one one is about like how much money they're gonna bring to the house and the and you know and then uh, and, Billy's and, mom sees and it's not just it's not just that it's it's they go into basically the capitalism part of it which yeah. you know. China is a communist country still, mm-hmm. technically, but capitalism has become far more prevalent in China through the years. Yeah. And this is th- this scene really is pivotal in showing that and that, well, you know, you know, how difficult would it be to make a million dollars in America? And they're like, you know, Aquafina is like very difficult. And yeah. the aunt's like, well, it'd be easy in China. And then the mother interjects and she's like, well, where are you sending your son Bao? to school and she's like that that kind of has to pretty much go quiet there because yeah. she's sending him to america and it's it, it's a like you said this is a very cultural sensitive movie you can feel the tension in the scene oh yeah um between both both families and, and then she also says about how like how, how does she think you know nine i feels like you know she's growing old and the kids aren't even around to see her and uh, that's another one that hits. It's like, oh crap! Like you know. Oh yeah, that 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 was a low blow. That's not, not gonna lie. Considering like her family, they went to Japan. Yeah. So that's still closer than China, but it's still not China. Yeah. And it's uh, you know we get a really interesting take at the you know the idea of like culture and but you know it, it Billy interjects and says that you know that America isn't perfect. You know we have problems with guns. We have problems with healthcare. And then, yeah, and they're like, well, you know, China isn't perfect either. And there's just big differences. And then something comes up that I got to say that I'm really, that I find really, really, really interesting. 
um, when when they said, well, you know, don't criticize China. You know, you're still Chinese. And uh, and then Billy's dad says, well, we're American. We have an American passport. We're Chinese-American. And then his brother goes, I will always be Chinese. Even though he moved to Japan for work, of course. But he says, I will always be Chinese. Well, and, and this brings up the question, does he really believe that? Or was he trying to gain favor with his mother? Yeah. Which, you know, that brings on a whole nother set of questions in the culture. Yeah. Of, you know, are you just trying to gain favor with, you know, the matriarch? Yeah. But, and, and, and it brings up that really interesting discussion that, you know, that kind of that Lulu was saying in that quote. It's like, you know, when you're an immigrant, you know, this is kind of like the life that you're kind of torn between two different worlds. You know, Billy, Billy remembers those beautiful memories from China, but she doesn't really remember a lot about the culture that's here. Mm-mm. She knows the culture that she's always been around. And, uh, and, she, and when she comes back, it's so hard for her to maneuver it. She's like, how can I, you know, still respect my family, but also go, go, and go ahead and tell my grandmother that she's dying because that's what I know is the, is the right thing to do because I've been living in the U.S. for as long as I can remember. But yeah, you know, so, you so have, she's basically it's basically being stuck on a razor's edge in a way. Yeah. Is either way you're gonna fall off. Yeah. And and then you have this idea of like, you know, being seen as, you know, the Chinese American. Because you know, mm-hmm. you you know, you're you're not really from here because you only spent a little bit of years. But you're But did you're, you did you catch the the, the whole piano conversation? Uh, yeah. The, the, that that scene that scene's great in that at the very end of that story where they say the the pastor or I, I guess whoever was running the church gave yeah. them the keys so she could practice. And you know, her family goes, They gave you the keys? Yeah. And they're like, Yeah. They like they couldn't believe it. Like mm-hmm. it was unbelievable that someone would do that. And then they go, Well, that's America. Yeah. And uh it's it's also quite interesting when, uh, and that's why I got to bring it up again, the framing in this movie. That, that whole scene is, so brain, is framed so brilliantly. It never, it never, it's never a close-up. It's always kept in this like medium shot where it's showing all the family so it can really kind of bring you in like, oh crap, like we got everybody here and we're having mm-hmm. this argument. And you know, the, the nine is like, no, no arguing, arguing here. But, uh, you know, she's, what's it called? Uh, it's, it's all this going back and forth. And it's just framed so brilliantly where Lou's like kind of keeping that tension there. And that's, and I got to say, a lot of filmmakers don't, no, don't, when, in a lot of the movies that I've seen, like when it comes to the tension, like it's really hard to keep that tension there. But she does it brilliantly, just brilliantly here, not leaving from that, that angle and just keeping it in that medium shot and keeping it going between the, the, different, uh, the different cuts in between. But uh, yeah, and it's just it's it's an interesting discussion when they bring it up here with about you know being and Chinese the, or being the, Chinese American. There was there was really no final answer to it. It was no. basically what Aquafina had told uh, the hotel manager. It's different. It's different. Like uh, it's n- neither are wrong. They're just different. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's that identity crisis that uh, you know a lot of us who are stuck between two worlds kind of have to feel like you know especially. Uh, you know, especially living here in, in the United States, like, you know, some of us, the border, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. And, uh, you know, we, we're still living in between two different worlds. And, uh, you know, in this film, it's it's not just, um, you know, 
that argument. It's also when she goes to the spa and they do the the, the cupping. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want to do this. And then, you know, the, 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 the aunt says, what's it called? A pain is good. Like, you know, feeling a little bit of pain is good. And uh, you, it, you know what I always think about in that scene? Yeah. Is high school gym. I, I, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but no, it's fine. Uh, high school gym weightlifting and our gym instructor. He had the saying, "Pain is your friend." Yeah. Let me tell you, I hate that fucking saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you were like, "Yo, man, I can't be picking up," you know, seventy five. Like, 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 man, I was squatting like four hundred pounds, so I guess pain was my friend because I was doing it pretty easy. But, but yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, you were like, dude, just please stop with this. Just let me go. I didn't skip leg day. No, but uh, but yeah, uh, and, and she was like, you know, a little pain is good. And then um, just uh, and then and then you know, going out and having her, to, she wants her grandmother to rest so bad, but you know, the grandmother feels, and it's very cultural thing. It's like, no, I have to be the one to plan the wedding. I have to be the one to do it. And like you guys, well, she, she's the matriarch. Of course yeah, she is. Yeah. And you know, you ain't going to tell anything to keep her yeah. staying home and not doing that. Yeah. And it's why, uh, what's it called? That's why, uh, uh, Billy's mom is like, that's why she didn't like living in the U S because she didn't have any control over there. You know, she wasn't mm-hmm. living in her house anymore. You know, she, she was the matriarch, of course, but you know, she, she, she wasn't at her home. She didn't have the same. And here she feels like, you know, she is the center of the family, of course. And it, it, it is felt from the first second that Billy walks into that room that Nainai is the center of the family. But, you know, in China is where she feels like she has the most control because this is where she feels her culture is more close to her. Other than get lop, getting lobster at the wedding, yes. Other than was- them absolutely screwing her over, not giving her lobster. Uh, I, I really thought the first time around, I was like, oh, if I... Me knowing uh, what's it called, the grandmothers as well as I know, especially in my culture, I would have known that she was about to throw down, bro. And I was like, nope. Mm, Someone was about to catch hands. Someone was about to catch hands. I, I mean, I, you know, and they not end up getting freaking, uh, freaking lobster, man. They end up getting no, it. No, no, no. They had crab. That was crab. Yeah, but they didn't end up getting it. So, yeah. And uh, it's just, it's such a great, great uh, uh, depiction of just how Billy has to maneuver this culture and how. It's it's such a difficult. And there was something else that was there. Oh, I, I'm I'm glad I remembered this at at the, at the last minute. Uh, when they're in the when they're at the doctor, when she goes be after the hospital, right? And uh and and Nai Nai's there like, you know, like oh he's 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 young, he's not married, he's uh he's what's it called a doctor, and he speaks English. She goes uh he goes this is good for Billy. Like you should go for him. And it's like. Yeah, all our all our grandmothers, uh, at least mine, would do the same thing. <laughs> you know, like oh, that's that's. I think that's everyone's parents <laughs> and grandparents. Yeah, they, they don't they don't want to see you alone. They feel like yeah. being alone is a hardship. Yeah, and it, it's it's to me it really wasn't like I I, I love finding found, finding my significant other, but that was wasn't what I was focused on most of my life. Yeah. I was career oriented, and I, I really think this is Billy's generation. Of mm-hmm. the millennial generation, in a way. Um, sorry to bring up that word, but yeah. that really is. Of she's strong, she's independent, and she wants what she wants in life, and she's going to get her career started, and then maybe a family. Yeah, and and, and that's kind of what Nai Nai figures out at the end too. And she's like, you know, it's okay. Your career's first before your your love life, 
And that's what she says, like, you know, career before her marriage. And she's like, and even when, you know, Billy describes that she lost the, the what's it called? The, she didn't get the fellowship. And she feels like, you know, it doesn't feel like she would worry, but she also feels like she's kind of brought like some disappointment to her family. And she says, you know, you're going to take your time. It's, it's not, you have really a mind and it's going to come. It may not happen today, but you're going to have to keep working hard. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, that's just where Billy kind of surrounds herself. And Nai-Nai, what's it called, feels the same way. And it's just, it, which is just this incredible depiction of, you know, I'm not Chinese, of course. I don't know if this is the culture exactly. But, you know, just seeing it depicted this way where it's just, it's not just a depiction of the culture, but it's a depiction of when you have this kind of a internal struggle of what you are to identify as. Because you're coming from America but you were born in China and you know of this place and you remember, like she says, she remembers the garden she used to play in. She remembers playing with her grandfather, but like she's, she's just, she's coming back to the homeland, but like does the homeland, what's it called, want her back? Uh, and that that's another part I think that a lot of people can understand is this aspect of, you know, when we leave where we're from and we come back, it's never going to be the same oh. as we left it. Generally not. Um, I'm so I'm from Biloxi, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And if people don't know, I left Biloxi, Mississippi in 2004. Mm-hmm. So me and my family moved to Georgia at that time. And in 2005, Katrina hit. Mm-hmm. And we went back in probably 2007, 2008. Nothing was recognizable. Oh. And that, that's really, I, I really felt that with, Billy in that she remembers all these great things and all these joyous memories and they're just gone. Yeah. It just time and, you know, time has taken over and basically has, you know, moved them on. Like they don't exist anymore. And I, I really felt that in that that's exactly what time and Katrina did mm-hmm. to me is everything that I remembered. It just didn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in, it's just, you know, she, she, like, that's all it is. She, all she has is memories. And, uh, I had to bring up other stuff too. And, uh, by the way, this is another, uh, instance of an incredible scene in this film that I always got to bring up. But, uh, when they're looking for the earring, of course. Right. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Billy kind of breaks down and it's like, you know, what's it called? We left here. I had all these wonderful memories and we left and then, you know, you didn't even tell me when, when my grandfather died. And, and you, you wouldn't even let me come to the funeral. And all I have is, you know, these, these memories. But, you know, I never even got the chance to sign to say goodbye. And it's like, you, you, there's where you really start to, you know, you really start to see like, you know, like, yeah, maybe, maybe there is kind of a, 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 there, there's, a um, there's negatives into this culture. This idea of like not letting the child, uh, you know, leave school to go, uh, to go say goodbye, which, you know, that's, that's something that I'll go and say that that's not something that happened within my culture. Like I'm telling you, we were like, fuck school. We're going to go say goodbye. Uh, and, but where, where here, I got, I got to put that, that was the opposite for, you know, for my family is school was always important. Like yeah. I would miss family gathering. There would miss family reunion. School was always, always the main thing. It was always career yeah. oriented. And well, yeah, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, family reunions. Like, we didn't go, we didn't skip school for that. No, I'm saying like deaths, deaths in the family. Like, I, I, yeah. Luckily, there weren't that many deaths while I was going to college. Uh, my grandfather did pass, but that was really the only one. 
that I didn't go to. And mm-hmm. my, my dad mostly went to that. So I, that, that's another thing. I mean, this film, this film hit so hard and that I could relate to so many parts of it, yeah. even though, you know, my background is completely different from what Billy's is. But at the same time, it's like they run parallel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that scene is just so incredibly, that's another one, another commentating on the culture issues. Like, and, and you can see from Billy's mom's face, it's like, yeah, like I kind of, kind of did fuck up there. It's like, I, um, I should have let you say goodbye. But she also brings up a good point. Why want to stay in China and have your grandmother see you so sad and she not knowing why? Not knowing why you're so sad. And her not being able to do anything because if she did anything, she would find out about how, how she's going to die. But, yeah, that's just the idea of culture in this film. is just so beautifully constructed and just so well communicated. I, I, and I got to really bring up, uh, just got to give props where, where they're due. It's just so beautifully constructed here. And uh, we, we got some more stuff. I, I believe you said you had two things you really had to bring up in here. Well, yeah. I already brought them up. So. Oh, you did? <laughs> that, that, was, that was just how the ridiculousness of death um, and this, and then the family unit. That, those were the two thing, main things that I really get out of this movie. Um, yeah. And and it's just, I'm just amazed. This is Lulu Wong's second film. It doesn't feel like a second um, film. No, it, it, it it's it, it's to me it's it, it's a perfect movie to me. It's mm-hmm. just every frame, and I didn't get this till watching it on my TV. It's like every frame in this movie is done to like just precise mm-hmm. and it's it's like nothing in this movie is sloppy and nothing in this movie is out of place and it's meant to be and the dialogue is yeah. fits in so well and then the music if we go into the music oh. that music just hits at yeah. the right moments at the right time like at that end like that that music hits the grandma's waving billy's yeah. crying the mom's crying i'm crying yeah i, I just say i mean the Lulu Wong is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that ending. So, you know, after all that conversation they had, uh, what's it called about her career and stuff? And, you know, what's it called? Nine Eyes saying goodbye. And, and, and Nine Eyes starts tearing up, which is a really beautiful part because it's like the one person who they're trying to protect them from feeling some sort of pain. This is her moment. She's feeling pain for a different reason. It's that, uh, that you know, she has to say goodbye to her family, and she they, she knows that they can't come and visit as often as they try to, but she knows that hey, she still calls me, she still keeps in contact with me, but it still hurts for her to for Billy to have to leave because you know she like they said it, they said it in the film. It's called Billy and How How are the only grandsons that she has, you know, my grandchildren, grandchildren. I'm sorry, grandchildren that they she has. She of course has the what's it called the the aunt there. But I, I believe that that aunt is a was she adopted or something? Um, I don't I don't know. I think I thought that was Nine Eyes, um, like daughter. I I thought but, or was that her sister? It, it might be adopted. I think or or did I hear that it was that it was her sister's daughter? I think it was her I, sister's daughter, and uh, because she said um, she said uh, that might tr- that might make sense. Yeah, because she said in the in the speech she said that uh. You know, her, your, her, her, uh, Nine Eye treated her as her niece that, you know, that, that she didn't have to treat her like that. But she still loved her so much and she treated her like the niece that she was for her. So I, I think that was her sister's daughter. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, she's, she, what's it called? Um, she, she's there and, 
And those are the only ones, it's the only family she has. And the only family she has is I live so far away from her. So she, so the only person who are in that house is just the sister, Mr. Lee, who basically does, you know, Mr. Lee's just uh, there. Mr. Lee's basically, I'm um, just, you know, a warm body. Yeah. It's like, I'll <laughs> That's do really sh- what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I gotta say, I love that. I love that first part where Mr. Lee just finishes his food and gets up and you're like, Wait. he gets up and goes and, and he's like, he's, yeah, I can get that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, at first I was like odd. And then I, and then I think about, it, I'm like, it's a man who doesn't even know about this family. You know, I, 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 well, I mean, gonna, that's gonna like every, that's like every old man ever. At a certain they just age. don't care anymore. <laughs> at a certain age, you're like, I really don't care about this conversation. Well, I'm going to get the hell out no, of here. No, I, I don't care. I'm going to go take a nap. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the food. But yeah, it's just, Mr. Leash is there. He, he, he helps out Nai for what he needs. He eats with her. I, I, I also think um, him and Nai Nai have a consensual relationship in a way, like when Nai Nai has needs. Yeah. Um, that's why he's next door. Yeah. But, that's but a- I'm glad they don't go more into depth than that because I'm just looking at Mr. Lee. I'm going, that's got to be the slowest sex scenes ever. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, but <laughs> I was I was just like, Mr. Lee, I was like, oh, man, like, yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, this guy's just there to be there. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, Nai Nai does go into there like, yeah, like, you know, this is just a man who, he, he goes, I need somebody to be around the house to, you know, so I don't feel so alone because, you well, know. And so she's not just being, I think she said, so she doesn't, isn't just followed by her shadows. This yeah. is the way she put it. Yeah. So then uh, after saying nine, nine says goodbye and Billy and uh, Billy's mom go ahead and cry. And uh, they, they go back home and, you know, Billy is, um, Billy is walking through the streets in New York, and she pauses and she leaves. And she she lets out her 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 growl that her her, her nine nine taught her. And uh, we are we go into a black screen, and we are met with a video of nine nine in real life doing her exercise. And it says that uh, after six years, I believe it was six years, right? After six years yeah, of her dying, she's, no, she's still with she's us. She's still there. Yeah, yeah. I, but you missed the the important part on um, that scene where Billy lets out that that ha that yeah. her grandmother taught her is it, it, before it goes to the black screen, it goes back to China. Yeah. And the, and and the birds is on a tree on China and the birds fly away. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like saying that even though she's in New York, she's always, she still has that her that presence, Chinese culture and that mm-hmm. family. Her presence her. is still, her presence is still felt in China. Like exactly. you could be miles away, but your presence is still felt there. And it's so, uh, it's it's it, it, you're still part you're still part of the homeland as 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 much as you feel like you're so disconnected as much as you feel like, you know you you don't belong here you're still part of this homeland. But uh, yeah, I I, I gotta say that this movie is a uh, it's genius. This movie, unlike a lot of movies, uh, it understands what it is. It, it it completely understands what it is, and it understands how beautiful and intricate it is. And I and I gotta say that uh. For a second film, I, I I thought that you know I would think that this is like the fifth film in somebody's filmography, and uh, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot that uh, that that Lulu Wang is going to be bringing in the coming years of her career with this movie because this movie has really shows uh, how 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 um, how how much expertise there is for somebody who's barely made their second film, and yeah. I, I love this movie and I'm glad that we were able to discuss it because, you know, I said, no way we're not discussing this. Like, this is my favorite movie of 2019. There's no way we discuss the themes of this movie because there's so many uh, important this stuff mo- going on. This movie has so much depth to it. Yeah. That um, I, I don't think people realize just by looking at the cover or not 
understanding what this film is. I mean, I don't think I fully understood what this film was. I just knew I heard great things about it, and I mm-hmm. just wanted to see it in theaters when we were allowed to see it in theaters. <laughs> we were allowed uh, to see it in theaters, yeah. But but it, it's it's one of those that I'm very glad I took the time out and I took my wife. Yeah. And we went and we watched this, and yeah. yeah um, it, it's one of those movies that I will never forget. It, yeah. it, it's it's easily in my top 10 it might be in my top five i haven't really gone and looked at my top 10 in a while yeah. but it is it, it is a perfect movie to me and uh of course how can i leave without talking about that uh before we leave of course how can i not leave without talking about the drinking game right <laughs> poor Ooh. groom poor groom i, I really want to play that i really want to play that just <laughs> I, I mean but yeah that groom was horrible at that poor, game yeah it was really <laughs> bad really bad and then he ends game, up dude. just and I, I think every man's been there. Um, well, men who drink anyway, but you, you've drunk to the point where you're just in tears. Like you yeah. don't know anymore. You're just done. Yeah. Um, and you just find a bathroom to lock yourself in and call it a night. Yeah. And then I'm glad once again, uh, um, I'm glad that, uh, that in that scene, it was Aquafina there. It was Billy there to, to, uh, to help her once again, a representation of like, you know, the pain is felt from the fit with a family. Like, you know, they weren't going to leave him alone to go and fix it himself. Like, no, he was going to be there and be with you and you're going to be well, okay. I, I, I did enjoy the whole photo and Nina is like, why are you crying? Yeah, crying <laughs> Tears of joy. He goes, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was our conversation on uh, the, the the farewell, and uh, this is the last time that Brad's gonna be on this show for this season. He'll be back next season. But thank you, man. Uh, I know that this was a of very uh, this was a very what's it called? First of all, when I came to you and I was saying like I think I'm gonna make a new feed and I'm gonna make a new podcast, and you're like, why not put it on the same feed? And I was like, you know, I kind of want to build out a new feed and do this show on its own feed. But uh, wait, what have you thought about your 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 uh, three appearances on the show? Um. Very, I, I, let's face it, I, I did choose movies that I personally love and that I personally want everyone else to listen to. My first was Ikiru, of course. Yeah. Um, my favorite Kurosawa movie, Kurosawa would be my favorite director, and Ikiru just, Ikiru is one of those, like, it's another movie I relate to. Um, mm-hmm. Just based on the whole subject matter of a government bureaucrat who, you know, is basically they're stamping papers until a yeah. health scare makes him get up and actually accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had uh, Grave of the Fireflies, which I still believe, and although I haven't watched Come and See, and I don't plan on watching Come and See, I believe is still the most depressing movie I've seen. <laughs> um, but it is a different aspect on the war movie. And that's yeah. what I really think we've seen a lot this year, Roel is different takes on war movies than we're used to. Yeah. Because when Shit, it comes I from have. America, it, it's very glamorized. It's very grandiose. Yeah. It's very, you know, who, uh, like, like, yeah, like we kicked their ass. But when you look at it from the other aspect, you just look and like, you know, like I never want to go to war ever. Yeah. Um, it, it just looks horrible. And yeah. it's a hellish landscape with collateral damage everywhere. Yeah. And then we get to the farewell my favorite movie, 2019, the family unit. There's so many parallels in this that to my life. And, and I, I'm going to say it. Most people's lives, they're going to relate to this movie in some way or another, and it'll touch them and they'll think of their own family. And that's what I think makes this movie special is no matter what culture you come from, you still think of someone in your family in this way. Yep. 
So thank you, man. Um, I've I've very much enjoyed my time talking with you on three episodes of this podcast. And uh, we're going to go ahead and and, and finish up. But, of course, uh, Bradley, where can they find you other than, you know, the Nerdcore podcast feed? Uh, They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at randomgerm101. If you want to play on PlayStation, randomgerm101. Tillbrand.com at this is local love. Um, if you'd like to buy a beanie, so uh, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just out there doing, doing stuff, bro. You know, yeah. I put out I'm, the I'm, best. So, I'm trying to, I'm trying to support you the best way I can, and uh, the way, the way I've always said is, I'll, I'll just show up. Yep. I, I mean, once again, I put out the bad signal, and that's when Brad knows, like, hey, coming to work. Hold on, I'm coming. I'm going. I'm going. I might be a little late, like. Like tonight, I know we did this a little later and apologize, but you know, things had to be taken care of beforehand. They were taken care of. And I got on here and, you know, I really like this podcast because it's the, the, the one podcast in our repertoire that I actually have to be serious in some form. You like, you forced me to be serious in this. And I think it's some of our best shows in a way, because, you know, just the love of these movies just pour out. And yep. I, that's what, what I really get from every other guest you have on here, because let's face it, I do listen to, I, I think, I think I told you this one and, and paired files are probably my favorite out of the podcast. Yeah. Um, although the live show is up there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, that's just fun. Um, and it's just fun to hear the serious take and to get you. And I, I don't know if enough people tell this to you, but you're a good host. Like, I couldn't be a good ho- co-host if you weren't a good host Thanks. because you, you're, you're, you're the serious guy to my unserious nature. And so you keep the boat moving as I keep trying to add water to it, to sink it. Yeah. And in a way we make it to land and it's all good. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. That's the one thing you kind of get from this podcast, just how much people love movies and how much, uh, there is to discuss in it and how much we think like, oh, we, we barely touched the surface. We're like 40 minutes in and we're already kind of getting so into it, but we barely even touched the surface. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, next time you're going to be hearing from Brad is on the Cinema Condition Season 2 as he comes back to discuss Andrei Tarkovsky's Stalker. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. this is his last time in Season 1 and we'll see him in the next season. But without further ado, of course, you can follow me on the nerdcore.com. Uh, and look at all my wonderful stuff I do on there, like reviews. Um, I'm slowly doing my 75 Films from Asia reviews on there. So I'm doing all that wonderful stuff. Follow along there and read all that wonderful stuff that we got there. Brad Ray makes reviews on there, too. Uh, he just here did one. There. Yeah, here and there. He just did one for uh, The Last Dance. So go and check that out. And, uh, of course, I'm the Nerd Chicano on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, make sure you leave a rate review on your podcast app of choice on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And uh, yeah, there's this epi- This show is also on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, of course. And you leave a like on this. Uh, hey, thank you to everybody who got us so many views on the love episode. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that was because of the conversation that we had, right? For sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep, <laughs> totally. But uh, without further ado, this is the 26th episode. We're heading on to the final four as next week... We, re- we invite Alex back again, Alex Flores, not Alex Almeida, to discuss 1988's groundbreaking, revolutionary anime film, Akira. 
in the meantime, I don't have an outro. I just say to uh, surround yourself with a great art and re- watch great movies and watch whatever you can get your hands on and just expand your love of, uh, of, of art. And uh, I hope to see you guys on the next episode, but I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye. See you guys. <laughs>